Hey, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for, what the hell is it, the 24th, right? No, it's the 25th of October 2022. I almost said 2025. I I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on with my brain today. Anyway, happy Tuesday to you. That much I know is true, because I looked it up. I hope all is well. I'm going to get this started as quickly as possible. Just tell you, ask you to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com and uh, support the show. Sign up for the contests and everything like that. Try to keep these intros under a minute so that we can get to the news. I'm trying to keep the show under an hour. So we shall see if I can do that. Let us begin. There is a lot going on in the world. It doesn't look like Boris Johnson's going to be the next Prime Minister of the UK. And honestly... We have things in this country to worry about, more so than worrying about what's going on over in the UK. The UK would just fine. Let them figure it out for themselves. And if they screw it up, that's fine. It's their country to screw up. What we need to focus on is not screwing it up in our country, right? We've got an election that is two weeks. Is it two weeks? Let me look at this calendar just to be sure. Two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow, November the 8th, the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November. Two weeks from tomorrow, we'll find out. Democrats are getting desperate. Democrats are getting panicky. Democrats are getting concerned. And this is when Democrats get uh, dangerous. They are willing to destroy anything and anybody in order to win. So be aware of that. Be cognizant of that because they will destroy everything they can i'm kind of worried i don't know there is the possibility of a lame duck session after and uh will democrats then go absolutely crazy and try and ram through things i wouldn't put anything past these people i wouldn't put anything past these people in a lame duck session to try and ram through the things they couldn't do before or even god forbid there are some things believe it or not where they have said we can't we want this we desperately want this but we can't really do it right now it would be uh, damaging to our electoral prospects there are those things where they have if it's if it's that bad you know it's really bad because they are not generally cognizant or concerned about such things. They believe they live in a world where everybody agrees with them, except for a very small fringe of people who are probably, you know, Satan incarnate. And so that's why they can, that's why you can have idiots on MSNBC like Chris Hayes talk about how, well, the Republicans only took the Senate because it was the, they gerrymandered their way into Senate victories. I can't remember if it was Chris. I think Chris Hayes has said it at one point, and Stephanie Rule has said it at one point. Plus, amongst others, you can't gerrymander the Senate for God's sakes. It's a statewide election. You can't. Are people? Are every election every ten years they're sort of uh, changing the state borders? No, no, they're not. You take a significant amount of stupid to come up with that. But then we have a significant amount of stupid 
in the White House as it is and in the Democratic Party as it is. That's where we start today. We start with the President of the United States. He's been doing, do I call it, they're not interviews. He's been doing media appearances where questions are asked. What do I mean? They brought into the White House last week every left-wing lunatic on social... If you wonder why this White House is so out of touch, if you wonder why this White House can't communicate with normal people, why they don't bother communicating with normal people, and they simply don't seem... They seem out of touch. It doesn't, regardless of what's going on, you got the President of the United States eating ice cream, going, oh, the economy's strong as hell. I don't see what the problem is. I could afford this ice cream without any problem. Mm-mm. Does the body good. It's good ice cream. A wildly out-of-touch image. It's because they are wildly out-of-touch. The White House brought in, damn near, I, can, I don't know that I could think of any others, damn near every troll, left-wing radical troll on social media for a meeting at the White House. And they really honestly did. There's Brooklyn Dad. There's, there's this, it was really funny because they all took a picture together just outside the White House. And uh, like, oh, they were all tweeting it. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. And people went through and noticed, you don't look anything like your profile picture. That's weird. You don't look anything like your profile picture. And you're like, oh, yeah. No, it's because all these people <laughs> were using the best, best picture ever taken of them while they were teenagers as their profile pictures going, oh, yes, no, look at us. We're wildly attractive people. And uh, then they just outed themselves as complete and total frauds. And you're like, whoa, is that you? Honestly, if somebody hadn't gone through and and uh, tagged these people and shown you know their, their, their user picture versus their real life picture, I'm not really sure you would recognize them. I'm not really sure you would recognize them because they don't look anything like their pictures. It's funny. Everybody, of course, nobody's going to go, give me that picture where I've, you know, boogers are hanging out of my nose and and I'm just, I look like absolute hell. No, no, they're not going to do that. But, I mean, my God, something that you look like a different human being is... Uh, Something to behold. Anyway, amongst the mutants, and you wonder why you know the, the Biden administration seems out of touch. It's that this is where they get their their uh, pulse. You know, they always say check your pulse, the neck, or the wrist, and never use your thumb. Thumb's big enough to have its own pulse. Well, if you're a Democrat in this White House, you're checking the pulse with your thumb. You're perverting it. You're putting your thumb on the scales. If you are following this rabid band of left-wing lunatics and think that that is somehow insights into the American public in general, you are insane. And sadly, I think that's what's going on with this administration. Is they think, well, this is a nice cross-section of America. And it really is how Democrats think. If you look at the picture, it mostly looked like a snowstorm. It really did. They're all white liberals. There were a couple of non-white people in there, but not very many. And that's the the world that Joe Biden grew up in. That's the world that Joe Biden has lived in his entire life, mostly white, affluent, whiny, probably hate this country and hate themselves or whatever. I imagine they're secret drinkers. But uh, that's the world that most Democrats grew up in. 
And they all sat around and said, this is how everybody else should live, particularly those minorities. They know what's best for you. Shut up and take your message. It's a whole bu- or medicine is a whole bunch of white savior complex there on the left. And you think, that's not America. Most people don't give a damn about the things Democrats care deeply about. Most people actually do adhere to uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of judging people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Democrats don't, but most people do because that's sort of a decent human being. There's this thing about uh, Gen Xers recently. Gen Xers are uh, more Republican than Democrats. And all these uh, liberals were trying to figure it out. Why is it? Oh, is it because their hate? Is it because grunge made everybody angry? What is it? What's going on? And it's pretty simple. We apparently were the only generation, I am in that generation, born the end of the baby boomers up till the, up till gen, I guess till the millennials. Now, I guess up until 1980 or something like that. Um, We're the only generation who was raised completely within the it doesn't I don't care about what color your skin is I don't care I don't care what gender you are I don't care I don't care who you sleep with it doesn't matter are you a jerk or not it's a basic question it's a pretty simple question are you a jerk or not it doesn't matter nobody's sitting around keeping score and going well there certainly are a lot more uh, jerks in this particular group of people than another, another group of people and uh, this sexual orientation is a lot more nope it's on an individual basis across the board, are you a jackass or are you not a jackass? If you're not a jackass, I can get along with you. Maybe, maybe we can't be friends. I don't know. It depends. You got to have something a little bit in common to be friends, but we can certainly get along. Since then, see the generation before the baby boomers, and don't I realize that what I'm about to say is going to upset some people. It's not what I'm intending to do. I'm not saying this is true for everybody. I'm saying just in general, speaking in generalities, people get so upset whenever you say anything. And like, no, there's no, like, the stereotypes, a lot of them are based in truth. Generalizations are generalizations. They are not 100% true in any way, shape, or form. But... If you just look at it from a, a, a law perspective, it was a different time in the baby boomer generation. There was segregation. Segregation was legal. Segregation was the official party platform of the Democratic Party, so on and so forth. So even if you were a good person growing up and a great person now, which I have no doubt that you are, The uh, society in which you grew up was different. It was different. And so it it had to impact you, not completely. I'm not saying you went to Klan rallies or anything like that, or you joined the Black Panther, whatever. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying it was different. Generation X just said, well, we don't care. No, it was because civil rights bills had been passed, segregation had been, schools had been integrated. It wasn't a big deal. We didn't have the fights. Oh, keep this group out of here, and we don't want to be over there in that school. That was all settled and done by the time my generation came in. 
Then, because when you're out of problems, a certain percentage of the population cannot handle it, will not accept it, their reptilian brain will not go, hey, wait a second, we got it pretty good, we got it better than anybody who ever lived. They go, no, 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 we got it worse than anybody who'd ever lived, or poor other people have it worse, and they just began creating problems like resegregation, but this time under the banner of tolerance. How do you justify that? I don't know. The millennial generation has gone on to, you know, maybe you say if you're ignorant of history, you're doomed to repeat it. They've gone to willingly repeat history. They're willingly repeating history, but they're doing it for the the best. It's the same mindset that says, sure, communism hasn't worked before, but that's only because pure communism hasn't been worked, hasn't been tried before. I will try pure communism. I support pure communism, pure socialism. Like, no, you you don't get it. It's the concept that doesn't work. If you've never faced adversity, you can convince yourself that an untied shoe is the end of the world, but you've never really faced adversity. You can convince yourself that capitalism is horrible and the root of all evil. Go to anywhere where they don't have it. Now, the left has conned themselves, the academic left has conned a whole generation of morons to go, yeah, but it only sucks in those countries because capitalism is keeping them down. Capitalism isn't keeping them down. They're keeping themselves down. Anyway, check it out. Check it out and uh, for yourself. Anyway, Joe Biden is not, a, Joe Biden is of the, uh, I think he's technically a baby boomer, although I believe he was born during World War II. Not sure why his father wasn't over there fighting in World War II. But uh, then again, there are a lot of people of Joe Biden's generation who are wondering why he wasn't over there fighting in Vietnam. And it was because of his horrible, horrible asthma that barely allowed him to play football and get a football scholarship. You know, that kind of asthma. That if you got to have asthma, that's the kind of asthma you want to have, is the kind that impacts your life not at all, except for keeping you out of the draft. Other than that, it doesn't impact your life at all. Anyway, uh, he had a little roundtable with these trolls from the Internet. See, it all comes full circle. And one of them was asking about, well, there's a lot of questions. They all got to ask a couple of questions. Asking about abortion. You want to know how out of touch Democrats are? How many people do you know on a daily basis who talk to you about abortion? Probably not many. Not many, certainly outside of, you know, podcasts, talk radio, anything like the news. But just in general, your friends, you go to lunch with your friends at work and you're sitting around going, hey, I've got a great sandwich today. And oh, by the way, I'm really concerned that my daughter won't be able to have an abortion when she gets older. I don't really think that's something that anybody talks about at lunch unless you're really completely obsessed about it well the left is really completely obsessed about it like i said the people that the white house chose to bring in are the trolls that pollute worldviews and make democrats think they're way more popular than they are and their ideas are way more popular than they are it's insulation you can you can surround yourself with people who think all sorts of things and convince yourself that that is a representation of the real world, when in fact it is not. But listen to Joe Biden talk. I mean, first of all, he forgets the name Roe v. Wade. It's abundantly clear in this clip. He has no idea. He forgets all about it. He cares deeply about it, but he's senile on top of it. So he forgets Roe v. Wade. And he just, I believe he calls it a court, the court decision. 
<laughs> stumbles for a second. He's court decision. And then he announces that he is in favor because he's, he's pandering to this woman who's asking him. He is in favor of government setting up a fund to pay women to have abortions, to pay for women to travel to have abortions, to pay women for the time off they need to travel to have abortions. And any recovery, it's just unbelievable. Straight up, he's calling this devout Catholic, is calling for direct subsidies of abortion culture. It's, And he can't even remember Roe v. Wade on top of it. Do you support a federal fund for individuals like myself who need to take time off work, obtain child absolutely. care? The answer is absolutely. But absolutely. guess what? We need the same votes we need to overrule that, to uh, reinstate uh, the, uh, the decision that was struck down by the court. I mean, I do support that. And I've urged, publicly urged companies to do that. I've urged them publicly as President of the United States saying, this is what you should be doing. I urge you to do it. I urge you to do it. He, first of all, he calls the Dobbs decision Dodd. And then he says, you know, they won the, the rule overruled by the court. Do you support? No. How about, you know, if you're going to screw somebody, take some responsibility for that act. And if it goes sideways, how about you deal with the consequences there as well? Is that too much to ask? No. Do you want the government in the bedroom with? Joe wants to be there in the bedroom with. He wants to smell your hair and touch you inappropriately. But most people don't. So people are weird. So while the president is, first, who, please, Mr. President, uh, will you pay for, like, out-of-state travel and for hotel and for time off of work and for all these things? Oh, wow, you, you, it's really going to make having an abortion quite the profitable enterprise. We need a nice vacation. What do you say we, uh, just because the government, especially a liberal government, isn't going to sit there and go, you know, you need to prove that you're pregnant. You need to prove that you're pre-. They're never going to do that. No Democrats going to go, prove that you're pregnant. They don't care. You're not allowed to ask any sort of questions like, like, hey, why didn't you just avoid getting pregnant? In the Did you take any precautions? Did you? No, you're not allowed to ask those sorts of questions. So they're sure as hell not going to ask you, uh, can you afford this? Should you maybe have thought about this? How did you get pregnant? You know, did are you aware of how you get pregnant? Because, uh, you know, or even, hey, uh, <clears throat> this is your fifth abortion, Right. You should probably, I don't know, learn something from one of these things at some point. What's her face? Cori Bush, congresswoman from St. Louis, just a god-awful human being, total racist, had two abortions, at least, that she brags about. Two abortions. You're like, wait a second. Okay, uh, even if you're sympathetic to the cause, you go, all right, well, anybody could make a mistake and things happen and what... But the second time, the second time, I really got to wonder if you're so stupid, you don't know how babies are made, right? Yeah, you have, are you that dumb? You just don't know how any precautions, nothing, nothing at all. You're just like, hey, geez, I don't know. I must have used a dirty toilet a couple of times. I try to to use a clean toilet. I bring with me uh, Lysol wipes to make sure that there's nothing on these toilets to get me pregnant. Uh, right? That's how you do it. Or I eat a sandwich, the wrong kind of sandwich. Is that right? How does, I'm not sure how you get pregnant, but it's, it's pretty clear that, uh, it's something, right? Shouldn't you have some kind of knowledge on how to prevent these things? 
at a certain point, aren't you the responsible party? And that therein lies the rub. That's what Democrats seek to avoid, seek to absolve people of. See that Democrats can't promise you that they're going to make the economy better. They can't promise you really that their policies will improve anything. They know that they won't. And then if they you know, get caught promising things that don't come true, in fact, the opposite comes true, you might not continue to vote Democrats. But what Democrats can offer you is a continual absolution for your bad decisions. For your bad decisions, the government can take care of you, will take care of you, will help you out. If it's Democrats, oh, you took out $200,000 in loans to get a a gender studies degree and you can't find work in that field that pays more than like $30,000 a year because who would pay even that for it? Okay, don't worry. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. We'll absolve you of these things. No, your bad decisions, first of all, they build character. Oh, are you saying that you should? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. If you want to take a decision or whatever you want to change or have an abortion, do it all on your own. Figure it out for yourself. If that's the case, if you live in a state where the state has decided that they are going to outlaw abortion, the epitome of federalism, I absolutely support federalism, then you want one, go someplace else. Or if you think you're going to be inclined to have one because you're just, I don't know, being semi-responsible <laughs> sexually is just a bridge too far, then move somewhere else. It's pretty simple. But no, the left they can't do that. Can't do that. We must all take up a collection. Now, what do we have in this country? We have a massive homeless problem. We have a massive homeless problem in Democrat cities. We have massive crime problem, too. Those two things are not unrelated. And are Democrats raising money to alleviate the homelessness problem, to help people with drug addictions and mental health issues? No, they're not doing that. They're not even really proposing legislation to do anything about that. They're taking up collections to make sure that somebody can get their uh, plane trip subsidized should a state fully outlaw abortion and somebody want one in that state we'll settle for nothing less than a a three and a half star hotel out of five stars for the uh, person as they're out of town and uh, they can afford to bump themselves up to business class for travel and how many tents here's what the left will do they'll do anything they'll roll out the red carpet hell they'll knit a red carpet for a woman who wants to get an abortion what will they do for a homeless person? Well, they'll uh, they'll say, here, here's a tent. Oh, thank you. Now, this is just like a home. It's just like a home. Homeless people, forget it. I've, now I've got a home. You don't have a home. You have a tent. You have a tent, period, end of story. But this is the world of the left. They will step over people. They'll look. See, that's really what the left does. Who the left is? Is they'll look at somebody who's hungry. They'll look at somebody who's, and they go, "Oh man, the government should do something," and they really, honestly view paying taxes as charity. They really do. I paid my tax. Somebody, government should do something. I paid taxes. Whereas conservatives, more often than not, will give money. You shouldn't probably give them money, or buy them a sandwich. 
I'm a buy him a sandwich type of person. I'm going to buy you a sandwich. You're on the street hungry. Can you help me buy a sandwich? No, I'll buy you a sandwich. If you want, I'll buy, I'd love it. I used to love it when I was outside uh, the, what you call it, the 7-Eleven in Mount Vernon when I was living in Baltimore. There'd always be somebody, or not always, but a lot of times there'd be somebody. Because if you go on the other side of Calvert Street, on the other side of 83, it uh, turns into a drug area. It wasn't that, it was like two blocks away. You, you could find all your, your heroin that you needed, that you wanted. And there'd always be somebody out there going, hey, can, you, can you spare me some money to help me get a sandwich? And I'm like, no, but I'll, I'll buy it because you could get, I think, two hot dogs for, for a buck at 7-Eleven. I said, if you want, I'll buy you two hot dogs. It was a buck, a buck and a half. And they're like, what? Sometimes they were very excited. Like, yes, please. They'd come in. I'd buy the two hot dogs, give them the hot dogs, and then they could load it up with chili and cheese and everything. And they, they were living high on the hog. And the, the, the chili that comes out of the pump there at 7-Eleven, ta- I'm sure it's not healthy for you, but it tastes pretty damn good. So they're good. And then there were the other ones who were like, no, I don't like hot dogs. Like, you're not... You're not really hungry if you're you're turning your nose up at food. You're not really starving. You're not really in, like you got something else going on. If you go, hey, I'm starving. Will you give me some food? Here's some food. Oh no, no, I just really want the money so I can buy my own food. Well, what food do you wear at a Seven Eleven? You're begging out in front of the Seven Eleven. What food in there is it that you want? You want a bag of Doritos? No, no, no. I don't. Okay, you just want money for heroin. Forget it. Anyway. Uh, but the left will buy somebody a tent. They won't help them get off the drugs. They'll actually say, well, you know, what I can do is give you a free needle. Uh, we can do a needle exchange. I can give you a safe place to shoot up. Like, that's not really what people need. People have all the places in the world to shoot up. What they need is to not shoot up. If you want to do that, instead of, Here's, you're, you're homeless, here's a tent. Actually, since we're talking about homelessness, this story is one of those things where you just want to, uh, I don't know. This is why liberalism is evil. Squatters' rights, the difficulty of getting somebody evicted. If you're a landlord, any landlord out there knows what I'm talking about. If you've ever rented it, you sit there and you take a huge risk if you rent somebody someplace to live. Why? Because it can take months and cost thousands of dollars to get a degenerate out of the house. Like, oh, no, we're renting the uh, basement apartment. Oh, you haven't paid your rent. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. Well, then get out. Yeah, no, I'm not going to either. Well, that starts a six, nine, 12 month process where there's no ambiguity. The person signed a contract says, I will pay you X amount of dollars every month to live here, and they aren't doing it. Breach of contract. But because this state, Maryland, and so many blue states, not such a problem in red states, although it is as well, but it's not as bad. Because this state of Maryland is so blue and so, you know, pro-poor. So a lot of people are poor for a reason. And they're bad people, and they're scam artists, and they're not really poor. They just don't have a paper trail. They they work in cash. But they, oh, these people are poor. We can't have them thrown out onto the streets. Like, well, they're they're ref- refusing to pay their rent. They get rent subs. They get all sorts of, and they're not paying their rent. 
you don't get to usurp the property rights of somebody else to uh, deal with your degeneracy, if that's a word, which it's not. And the left says, oh, yes, you can. And so they create all these laws that you'd almost have to be insane to go in the landlord business. And I'm looking at this story from Fox News. Maryland couple says, says strangers have moved into the home they just bought and refused to leave. Yeah. Instead of settling into their new home, a Maryland couple is trying to figure out who moved in before they did. According to WUSA 9, a couple in Prince George's County signed a contract with a bank to buy a vacant foreclosed home on Thursday. When they left that meeting and drove to the property, the couple reportedly saw a U-Haul in the driveway and people moving in. The next day, people were still in the house and refusing to leave. Malia King, the couple's realtor, told the D.C. news outlet that the woman, quote, panicked a little, you think? And called her to ask what is happening at the property. Now, what is happening at the property is you're, you're about to get a real education on why you should never vote for Democrats. The couple also asked King to speak on their behalf about uh, the people who moved into what is supposed to have been their new home. WUSA 9 reported seeing at least two men at the home on Friday where there are now signs telling people to stay away from the property. Why? Screw them. What are they going to do? Call the police? Show some ownership. King said, it seems as if the people have tried to take possession of the home. When the couple confronted the men moving into the home, they showed papers claiming to uh, be elite, have a lease for the property, which resulted in the, the couple calling the police. Quote, once on the site, they took a look at the lease and it was not accurate, King said. It was not correct, end quote. It was illegal. It's a forgery. It's a fraud. It's a scam. It's, well, I'm sorry, this lease is not accurate. Doesn't matter. You get to stay in the house. You create a Word document written in crayon. King told WUSA the couple had a agreed, signed, ratified contract with the bank and showed the outlet the purchasing contract with the U.S. bank. Reporters with the outlet tried to talk to the men in the home and were told by a man named that a man named Quinn had the lease. They claimed Quinn is an uncle, but they didn't know his last name. <laughs> the men then declined to answer any more questions. Now, you would think at this point, you call the cops, they come in, and they drag these pieces of crap out of this house. That should be what happens. There's no ambiguity about, well, there's just a confusion. It's, it's a hilarious, ep it's a very special episode of Three's Company, where they, the, the gang ends up, or even It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the gang ends up signing a lease for a house that somebody else bought. No. It's a forgery. There is no lease. These people are scam artists. They're right there openly breaking the law. And I guarantee you, by the time they get out of this house, and they'll get out of this house eventually, probably, unless the people give up or the bank shows mercy and t gives them their money back. By the time they get out of the house, the house will be ruined. There will be holes in the wall. This is what, if you're inclined to do this, this is what you do. You do all of these things. You punch holes in the wall. You uh, you leak water everywhere because what the hell? The city's probably not going to turn off the water because that would be cruel. There's going to be all kinds of problems. Water damage, fire damage. They're going to need to heat them if they do shut the uh, utilities off. All these things. 
These people will face no consequences. When they do eventually leave, they'll just leave and disappear. Now, you'd think, like I said, the police would come in and arrest these people. They won't. They won't. The story continues. A Prince George's County police officer did visit the house Thursday, but the department said the issue looks more like a civil matter for the sheriff. It's a civil matter. Oh, no, no, you got to go through the eviction process. Well, why the hell do you have to go through the eviction process? If you steal somebody's car and you're using it as your car, you don't then have to go through some sort of eviction process. So, no, 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 no. I know it's not my car, but I don't care. I'm going to stay in this. I'm going to use I use this car for work. You can't have it. I'm locking it in my garage. Well, you don't have a long, drawn-out legal process to get your car back. Or I don't say, you can't take the car. I got my stuff in the trunk. No. They come and arrest you. How is uh, stealing a car, how is Grand Theft Auto a bigger deal than Grand Theft House? I I don't know how you resist the urge of getting some friends together, drinking a little bit, and going into that house with baseball bats and beating holy hell out of these people and burying them in the back. Oh, that's horrible. No, honestly, these people are just corrupt. These people are awful. And what's worse than these people is the fact that the laws that Democrats have passed empower them, enable them, to do this. It's a, they didn't come up with it on their own and, and all the courts are ruling quickly. And do, no, you got to, I remember back in Michigan, Michigan had a laws passed by Democrats too. It would take at least six months. You'd have to go to court and go to court. Even if you didn't show up to court, even if it was plain as day, uh, well, you got to make sure it's compassionate. You can't just throw people out on the streets. Yeah, you can. And you should. You absolutely can. And you most definitely should if they deserve it, except that the Democratic Party exists to play Pope. Pope on a balcony. Ah, I absolve all of you of all your guilt, of all your responsibilities. I absolve everything you're trying to do. You're no longer responsible for anything. Get pregnant and I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Don't worry about taking any precautions whatsoever to absolve. You want to steal a house? Go ahead. You want to be a degenerate junkie? Who are we to judge? Things of that nature. You law-abiding people, you suckers, you people out there who are paying taxes and paying the bills, you're fools. You are fools. And we keep taking it. We keep taking it. And we keep taking it and coming back for more. Well, two weeks. You got two weeks to make a decision on a national level whether or not you want this mentality to still control Congress or not. So you've got this insanity on the left, this obsession with abortion, this desire to absolve everybody of their responsibility. And that leads us to this this last, well, it's not the last clip I'm going to play, but it, this next clip of Joe Biden really is amazing. Like I always say, you don't know whether or not Joe is just stupid or senile. He has been stupid his whole life. He's only been senile for the last 10 years or so. But a little from column A, a little from column B. In this discussion with these left-wing trolls, left-wing Twitter, how do you pitch that to the president? 
what we've done is we've gathered together a whole bunch of left-wing Twitter trolls. They are very big on cancel culture. They love, they're a bunch of white suburbanites who love, love, love calling everybody else a racist. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to get together with you. It's going to be wonderful. And you're like, okay, you know, Hitler had to pay lip service to the brown shirts, the fanatical people. It had to kiss the ring every once in a while. And during this discussion, the idea of student loan forgiveness came up. Not student loan forgiveness. It's force-feeding student loan debt on everybody else. But it came up. And listen to the way the president responds, because this is, this is scary. This is scarier than stupid, because this, this has to be senility. Or it's just willful lying. You know, Donald Trump was what? The, the Washington Post had a rolling counter. They had somebody following behind him every time he'd said anything and they're clicking it, clicking it. We'll count that as a lie. We'll count that as a lie. We'll count that as a lie. And they documented it. everything he said was a lie. There is no such counter when it comes to Joe Biden. You know, the left doesn't care. He's all, yeah, he's a liar, but he's, he's our liar. So what are you going to do? Well, this is either incredibly dangerous because it shows a level of delusion heretofore unseen in Joe Biden. Or he's just gone for world-class Olympic-level BSing. You can decide which. I think it's that. I think this is senility. I don't think this is corruption. I think he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He says that he signed a law. And it passed by one or two, by a couple votes, forgiving student loan. There was no such bill whatsoever. It was an executive order. He did it. He took this measure. Theoretically, he did. But he seems genuinely convinced and seems to think he remembers signing a bill into law, which he did not do. The other piece what we're trying to do is, you're probably aware, I've just signed a law that's being challenged by my Republican colleagues the same people who got PPP loans during the for up to close to, in some cases up to five six hundred thousand dollars. They have no problem with that. The individuals in Congress got those. But um, what we've provided for is, if you went to school, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify for two thousand. I mean, excuse me, uh, you, you qualify for twenty thousand dollars in debt forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two, and it's in effect. And already, a total of, I think it's now, 13 million people have applied for that service. I got, it's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. There was no vote. There was no bill. There was no piece of legislation. There was nothing. To the extent that there were ideas floating around the United States Congress, they were from people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren's plan was to, quote-unquote, forgive all student loan debt. Had nothing to do with limits and caps and things like that. She wanted to wipe the books clean. He believes that he signed a piece of legislation. He believes that it passed by a vote or two. Now, it could theoretically be that he's talking to a bunch of idiot leftists who don't know any better, and he's counting on them not knowing any better. But this is easily searchable. 
This is easily fact-checkable. You just go, no, this is not true. Hey, wait a second. That's not true. Even liberals know this is not true. Joe Biden, is Joe Biden lying to them? Or is he unaware of what is going on? That's what's terrifying, is that realistically, you have to, I mean, there's the big lie, and then there's every day it seems like they come up with a bigger pile of horse manure to sort of throw at the American public. But there, there's a point where you have to think that they wouldn't go this far, would they? He wouldn't go this far. Joe Biden's always been a liar. He's always been an exaggerator. But no liar, no exaggerator, no BS artist wants to get caught. You don't tell. I'm married to uh, Natalie Portman. I know you're not. Everybody knows that you're not married to Natalie Portman. You wouldn't make that claim. But he made a claim similar to that. Everybody knows how this came to be. Why would you lie to these people? Now, nobody in the room's going to call him out. It's a whole bunch of internet trolls who are like, oh my God, I'm in the room with the President of the United States. Oh, I can't speak up. I can't challenge him. I can't say anything. I'll just kiss his butt. That's what they are. That's what they did. That's what they're doing there. And that's to be expected. So he knows he's not going to be called up, but he also is aware of the fact that he's set up in a a sort of half circle where he's the center. He's getting filmed. He's got a microphone on him. That these questions and answers will be seen by the general public. What in the hell is he thinking if he's thinking? And the only explanation you can really come up with is he's not thinking. And if you're sitting there going, he's not thinking, you have to wonder next, what kind of a process, what kind of, what are you expecting to come of this? And then you have to ask the question that the Democratic establishment does not want you to ask. Is he capable of thinking? He wasn't thinking when he said it. It's the only real rational explanation. But is he capable of thinking? And I don't think he is. Not from that answer. That answer should lead everybody to go, what in the hell is going on here? We cannot have this. This is a problem. We need a check on this power. And that's really what the election next month is about. In two weeks, you're going to have a chance to put a check on that power. Not a big check. It's going to be still, you know, the executive branch by itself is wildly popular. But there'll at least be oversight. There will at least be moments where they go, all right, I'm going to just think about this for a second. I'm talking about the administrative state. I'm talking about the people who are in charge of Joe Biden. That's what the next election is about. That's terrifying that you have to do that sort of stuff. But that's where we are as a society. That's where we are as a culture. He really genuinely believes he passed a piece of legislation regarding that regarding that law anyway back to the uh now there's other things as disturbing if not more disturbing in their repercussions because yes definitely joe biden is senile but joe biden is also um every democrat I don't understand this obsession with genital mutilation, why they are being hold, held 
as though the uh, T in the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ mafia is so damned important and so special that they are willing to throw reality down the toilet to appease them, but they are. That's who they are. That's what they are. So he was asked by a trans person, this boy who believes, and I say boy because he definitely is a boy, who thinks that he's a girl. He's become famous. He's now the new face of ultra beauty, this dude. He's been a boy for, or a girl for like 200 days been pretending paying make-believe for 200 days and this beauty company goes oh you know what if you buy your makeup from ulta beauty this is what you're subsidizing this is what you're supporting so oh, he's uh totally transitioning he's totally a, a girl and a woman and is all about beauty and blah 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 and you're like what the hell this guy's been a girl if you will for about 20 seconds and that's it and you're making him the face of beauty what does that tell you about real women? Real women, you're suckers. Real women, you've got no use for real women. we got uh, these fake women here. That's who we care about. That's what we do. And if you don't acknowledge that and you don't agree with that, well, you're just as bad as Hitler, or if not worse. Now, the person is uh, Dylan Mulvaney, I guess is the person's name. And uh, he's got the body of a 12-year-old boy. I imagine, you know, childhood was not good, and then you start adding in hormones and everything. But it's just an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. And really, if you're, if, if you're a woman, a real woman, you should be, like, pissed off that society and these major corporations are just devaluing your existence to the point that it's a joke, that it's a damn joke. But, uh, of course, the tranny asks the trans question, and Joe Biden comes out and says... No, it's wrong for anybody to prevent, not just adults. I don't care if you're an adult and you want to mutilate your body. Knock yourself out. I differ. My friend Kurt Schlichter, he sent me his column the other day for, I don't know, some point this week or next week, where about he's, uh, he's saying that we need to ban this all together. I don't think we need to. I think that adults who want to do this, if you want to do that, knock yourself out. It's your responsibility. You want to get a big dose of responsibility, go ahead. Is it good? No. Would I advise you for it? No. But you're an adult. Do what you want to do. I don't care. I really don't care. Kurt wants to ban it all. But the president wants to ban any parent from having a problem with doing it, apparently. Listen to him. Any state, any parent. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. I just think it's as a moral question, as a legal question. It's a moral question. So you think that uh, the 12-year-old should be able to make a lifelong, life-altering decision... And to say a 12-year-old shouldn't be doing that is immoral and wrong. Is that what you're saying, Joe? Is that where you Because that sounds an awful hell of a lot like what you're saying. You sick bastard. It's unbelievable who these people have become. You know, what's funny is one of Joe Biden's favorite lines 
It says it all the time. My God, he's a broken record. Is this not your Republican? This is not your dad's Republican Party. This is not your dad's Republican Party. And he says that to say, well, because they've gone so far to the right. They're so extreme now. They're not your dad's Republican Party, which is weird because Democrats have always called the Republican Party extreme. Didn't matter where they were. Didn't matter what they were compromising on. Democrats get their way and Democrats would run every two years. Going, Republicans are too extreme. No Democrat, when, Repu- when Democrats controlled Congress, ran on the idea back in the 70s, 60s, whatever, ran on, you know what, we're all about the same, we're both good, we both love this country, but I think that I'd do a better job than the Republican can. Nobody ran on that. It's the other side is a monster. Somebody put together, I don't know who did this, but God bless him for doing it, went through and found Joe Biden saying, this is not your father's Republican Party, all the way back to 2005 talking about the extremists and all those MAGA Republicans. And then he's saying the exact same things about, I thought that the Republican Party back in the day was a Republican Party he could work with. They were all his friends. And when he was in the Senate, when he was vice president, it was different. But then Trump came along and ruined everything. No. What you're about to hear is a, uh, uh, it's a, every, every time Joe Biden speaks again, you'll hear him speak for about five, 10 seconds. And then it'll speak for five, ten seconds again. This is, every time you hear him speak again, it's two years earlier. It goes all the way back to, I think, 2010. And then it skips to 2005 at the end. That was as far back as they went. But this is Joe Biden. He says it like it's just occurred to him. He says it like he really, really means it. And boy, howdy, the current crop of Republicans are just so different. Except he's been saying it forever. This ain't your father's Republican Party. Not not a joke. This is not your father's Republican Party. This is not your father's Republican Party. This is a different deal. They are not. They are not who we are. They're not who America is. Because this is not your father's Republican Party. This I call them the new Republican Party. This is not your father's Republican Party. I remember working with Republicans, Republicans. And by the way, this ain't your father's Republican Party. This is not your father's Republican Party. This is a different group of folks, ladies and gentlemen. Not every Republican is a MAGA Republican. Not every Republican embraces that extreme ideology. And not all Republicans, but the radical right in the Republican Party. Yeah, they're not your father's Republican Party. They're not your father's, they've not been your father's Republican Party for quite some time, Joe. It's almost as though you're genuinely insincere and just regurgitating some of the same garbage over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, that's because you are. That's because you are. You don't talk about. (laughs) This is one of their favorite talking points. It's absolutely meaningless. It is 100% meaningless, but they keep spewing it. Why? Because it sounds good. You heard it. It got an applause line there in 2014 from the NAACP. That's where the one with the applause came from. Oh, oh, woohoo. He said they're not the Republican Party. Yeah, the Democratic Party is not the Democrat. Well, it actually is the Democratic Party of the uh, pre-civil rights era. They've changed their tactics, not their objectives. 
not their objectives at all. So, yeah, they're still the Jim Crow era Democrats. They're still the pro-segregationists. But now they're doing it under the banner of tolerance, which is worse. They were at least honest before. All right, so now we got the president being senile. we got the president being insane. He also gave an interview to Jonathan Capehart over the weekend, which is... Jonathan Capehart is supposedly... He, I, Jonathan Capehart really thinks a lot of himself. Jonathan Capehart is a columnist for the Washington Post. He's the host of a weekend show on MSNBC. He is a fill-in host, and he did this interview for... Uh, or at least it aired on Joy Reid's show on Friday, I think it was. Now, just imagine... Joy Reid, the, the show is wildly racist. It's just wildly racist. There's no ambiguity about it. If a Republican president appeared on a racist program, you'd never hear the end of it. But a Democrat goes on a racist program, and it's no big deal. It's just another day that ends in Y. The media pretends that a a gutter-snipe piece of garbage like Joy Reid is, why, she's just somebody with it. She's no different than anybody else just exactly the same you're like what the hell she's an awful person she's a wild rabid racist and the democrat establishment goes yeah but she's our wild rabid racist and they just move on with it they don't care they don't give a damn capehart is uh, a wild rabid racist himself in many ways but he's gay so it's forgiven and he's, get, he's given all sorts oh he's so progressive he's so wonderful and he is he's a left-wing nut job Actually, before we, well, I want to play that Joe Biden had one of those just watch me moments. Remember his just, just watch me moment? When he, like the, a couple of weeks ago, people think you're senile. You shouldn't be present. Well, I recommend they just watch me. And then he kept on screwing up and getting confused. And like, we're watching, dude, we're watching. Capehart asked him, this is probably the toughest question Capehart asked him in the entire interview, which is embarrassing for Jonathan Capehart, except it will get him kudos from the Morning Joe crew. But a normal human being would be embarrassed. You, know, you had a chance to ask him everything, you had like a serious interview with him, and you, this was the best you got? It was a just-watch-me moment again, except Joe can't get through it all. Not without screwing up. So let's say Trump doesn't run again. Convince Aunt Gloria that she should stick with you. Well, I think Aunt Gloria should take a look. I I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to, you know, watch me. You know, am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace as her? You know, uh... And that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s, all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. But I, you know, in terms of my energy level, in terms of how much I'm able to do, I think people should look and say, is is he still have the same passion for what he's doing and if they think i do and i can do it then that's fine if they don't then they should vote against me not against me it should encourage me not to go but that's not how i feel i can't even say the age i'm going to be i can't even get it out of my mind 
I can't even say it. I can't even get it out of my mouth. I can't do this. I can't do that. Just watch me. Uh, the, you know the old joke, the um, about 50 is the new 70 is the 70 is the new, I don't know, the Thunderbird is the, is the new Corvette or what? Huh? What? We're watching you, Joe. That's what's so damn terrifying. We are watching you. We're listening to you, too. It's horrifying. They always say, well, this is the guy you have with his finger and the nuclear button. Well, thank God there is. I mean, it takes it's a little bit more complex a procedure than just putting your finger on a nuclear button. Right. So that's not thank God for that or else there'd be all sorts of trouble. There'd be all sorts of problems if it was literally a button uh, over which their fingers said then we would definitely need to move to get rid of the president of the united states that being said since it's not and there are systems of checks and balances we can do a fairly decent job of protecting the uh, inadvertent launching of a nuclear attack by a president no matter how senile they are but yeah watch him just watch him. we are watching joe it's horrifying. And then comes Capehart, just to get, I wanted you to hear this question because Jonathan Capehart, like I said, is a serious journalist. He really, he's a serious journalist in that he takes himself seriously. He doesn't seem to have much of a joy in life. He's one of those types of people who, even if you drink, he he's mad at you and probably holds a grudge if you didn't use a coaster in his house on a coffee table. Like forever. He'll forever remember that. You'll never get invited back again because you didn't use a coaster. That's the kind of guy. He seems really wildly uptight. Anybody who always, always, has, and I get it, I'm a slob, but anybody who always, always has a tie with a matching pocket square in every suit they wear and they look like they sleep in pajamas, they're wildly uptight people. But he takes himself very seriously. And instead, he really exposes himself for who he is. Listen, to, this exposes what MSNBC has become, and by extension, NBC News. When you have a sit-down interview with the President of the United States, and this is the question you ask. And it's not just the question you ask. It's the wording of the question. Pay particular, all this clip is, is the question. But I just want to show you how awful of a, a journalist... Jonathan Capehart is a far, a far right conservative um, person said earlier this month about the Senate race in Georgia. And I quote, I don't care if Herschel Walker paid to abort endangered baby eagles. I want control of the Senate. You were in the Senate a long time, 1973 to 2008. You know that institution inside and out better than anybody probably who's ever served in. And that time you served with many Republicans the conservative Republicans. Right. Super conservative Republicans. My question to you, though, Mr. President, is can our democracy survive when the Republican Party is it only cares about power? <laughs> it only cares about power. The Republican Party only cares about power. It only cares about power. How is that? How do you work with the people who only care about because Democrats, you know, they're indifferent to the prospect of power. They're just wild. You know, take it or leave it. 
Boy, these election results, I don't really care which way they go. As a Democrat, I'm just sitting here hoping for the best, rooting for the best for the country. What planet do these people live on? But you got to love that question. How do you work? You know more than anybody ever who worked in the Senate. More than anybody who's ever worked in the Senate. Ever. You were there for a very long time. Joe Biden doesn't know a damn thing about the United States Senate. Otherwise, he would have accomplished things. In his time in the Senate, think about the length of time he was in the United States Senate. He never once was in leadership in the Democratic side of the aisle. Why is that? He was there longer than most of them. They didn't. They twice elected, and Joe Biden was involved in this and voted for, twice elected Grand Klegel of the KKK, Robert Byrd, the leader of the Democrats in the Senate. Twice. Two different times they elected him leader of the United States Senate. Joe was right there with him. And nobody said, hey, maybe we should give Joe a chance, because everybody who worked with Joe knew he was an idiot. Everybody who worked with Joe knew he was an idiot. They didn't take him seriously. So spare me this. Oh, you know more about anybody than anything. Uh, if he knew more about anything uh, about anybody than anybody about these things, he would have accomplished things in the United States Senate. He wouldn't have been considered a damn joke in the United States Senate by his colleagues, which he was, which he still is. But Capehart just has to. Joe doesn't need his annual colonoscopy now because Capehart was just up there. Uh, and looked around, kissing on the way up there, and there was no no polyps. He saw no polyps, so he doesn't need it. By the way, let's just listen to uh, Joe's answer because this ties into his, oh, those Republicans, they're not your father's Republicans anymore. They're so hard-edged. Well, look, I, uh, I think that if we allow the Republican Party to continue to metastasize into what a minority of the Party report, the as a whole is, I, look, I think one of the reasons there's not more mainstream conservative Republicans running out there is because they are so concerned about not only their physical well-being, but also the notion that how can they win when a minority of Republicans are showing up to vote and they're really hard-edged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those hard-edged Republicans. As opposed to the Democratic primary, where everybody brings a basket of flowers and they just hug each other once they get in there. There's no no radical base of the Democratic Party. They're really hard. I love how he says we can't allow the if we continue to allow the Republican Party to metastasize. You have no say over the Republican Party, Joe. I mean, unless you plan on outlawing the Republican Party or really sort of being a dictator, which is, I thought you were, you know, that's what Republicans were. But everything that these leftists say indicates their totalitarian instincts. Well, we got to worry about this Republican Party. We can't continue to let them do hard-edged things. There are good Republicans out there, but they're scared to run. They're scared to run? Really? They're scared to run for their physical safety, he says. Like, there's a roving band of Republicans out there who are just, you're too squishy, we must beat you up. But there is a roving band of lunatics out there who will beat holy hell out of you if they find out that you're a Republican. They're called BLM Antifa. They're one institution now. They're like the AFL-CIO. They have merged. Those people will beat holy hell out of you. Now, how can I say that? Well, it's because I've watched them beat holy hell out of people who say things like, you know, horrible racist things like, please don't destroy my business. 
please stop beating up my son. Don't burn down that building. Things like that. And then they just turn on people and beat holy hell out of them. They are the modern equivalent of brown shirts. And Joe is sitting there saying it's Republicans who are afraid to run because uh, their radical base are just so insane. These people are really delusional and frankly dangerous, to be honest with you. Anyway, since we have a president of the United States who is completely and totally out of his mind and unaware of his surroundings and what's going on, the happenings of the world, you'd think, well, at least we have other people in charge of government who do have a, you know, whether they're wrong about it, it doesn't matter, but they uh, they still have their wits about them. Well, Nancy Pelosi does have her wits about her. She's older than Joe by a couple of years. And she definitely has more of her wits about her than Joe does. She appeared on the CBS Face the Nation show. Now get me started about Nancy Pelosi appearing on a show with the name with the word face in the title. But that's beside the point. She was asked about inflation. Now this is kind of this is <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about Democrats. If anybody brings up inflation, change, we change. We need to change the subject. Yeah, why? Because you guys caused inflation. You guys caused inflation and then made it worse. And now are proposing things that are going to make it even worse. So, yeah, I could see why when somebody, when you say somebody brings up inflation, quickly change the subject. That's, uh, that's all you've got. Listen to her on this very subject. And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard him there, we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. It's about the cost of living, not inflation. Well, he hmm. Don't you think one has something to do with the other, that they're almost interchangeable? The cost of living is going up. What's causing the cost of living to go up? Inflation. By the way, there's something wrong with the way Nancy Pelosi speaks. You ever notice that she's she's not stupid, but she has this weird mannerisms where she states the obvious. Like if you were sitting there having a conversation with you, you go, duh, or you know, no S Sherlock when you were a kid. Like, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. We get it, we get it. She's like, wait, the uh, EU, the European Union, we got that. And the UK, Britain, yeah, okay, we got, then technically those two are different things, but we get it when you talk about one, you're talking about all of it. You're not talking about, well, I was only talking about whales. No, that's not how it, not the, not the mammal, but the, the region of the UK. No, we get it, but she just, it's a sign, I assume, that, Everybody, you believe everybody you're talking to is an idiot, right? So you have to break it down to the lowest common denominator. And quite frankly, you will never go broke doing those sorts of things. When you write, they always tell you to make sure that you're talking to somebody. You're writing it in a way that, like, for somebody who has never heard the concept, never this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, yeah, I have a little bit more faith in my fellow human beings than that. But okay whatever but it is she 
change the subject. Somebody brings up inflation. We need to change the subject and make it about the cost of living. Well, what do you think they're going to be complaining about? Inflation is causing the cost of living to go up. Because that's how it works, Nancy. Please, so Democrats, please out there, follow Nancy's advice. You've, you've elected this woman, your leader, multiple, multiple times, repeatedly, in fact, every time she's run. Please follow her advice. Because she lives in a district where she literally could be, I don't know, committing an act of cannibalism and promising to murder 90% of her constituents. And out in San Francisco, the Democrats would go, Nancy Pelosi, you know, I don't really like her threatening to murder me and her promise to murder me. But on the other hand, she's not a Republican. So a 10% chance of survival, I kind of like that. I'll take that over a Republican any day of the week. When you live in that district, when that is your world, you don't really have to worry about uh, your reelection bid. Then you become somebody who can't really communicate with normal people outside of that kind of mentality. It's kind of funny because I keep getting these fundraising emails from a guy, Tim Ryan, who's running for what, Senate in Ohio. It's kind of funny. I looked this up the other day. Tim Ryan has sent 34 emails in the last week, or not himself, but him or organizations using his name to fundraise. They've sent more than 30, whatever. I'm not going to count it right now. And they are all over the place. They are talk about schizophrenic. They are, Tim Ryan is devastated. Please help. It's over. We're packing up. And then it's, woo, look at these latest things out of Ohio. The race is neck and neck and Tim Ryan can win. Like, wait, you're packing up 20 minutes ago. And now you're telling me that you um, you can win this race, which is, it's all emotional manipulation. It's all it is. It's all these fundraising things really ever are. Like today, Tim Ryan, email from Tim Ryan, Dar Derek, sorry, I know it's a little late, but I've got to be transparent with you. We need to raise $50,000 over email. We needed to raise $50,000 over email in the last two days, and we didn't even come close. Instead, it was our worst 48-hour period of email fundraising yet. I can't win Ohio's Senate race without your help, Derek. Can you please step up and pitch in $25 before midnight to help us catch up. It'd mean the world to me. Signed, Tim Ryan. <laughs> like, that's a fundraising email. Like, what the hell? Oh, man. We suck. Nobody supports us. We're all going to hell. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. Will you please give us money? Who wants to do Who? All right. Well, you've losered your way. It's like asking for uh, pity sex. I'm like, oh, no, you're... You're breaking up with me, and you think I'm ugly, and I'm a horrible person, and everything. But on the way out the door, do you think that maybe just one more time, for old times' sake, we could do this? Please, because, you know, I'm a chud, and there's nobody going to go to bed with me for a very, very long time. I don't... They must have some sort of research that says this sort of stuff works. Like, I give up. It's not worth fighting for... I'm not... I've never been inspired. Do you imagine, like, the halftime Super Bowl? Look, we're down by... By 17 points at the halftime of the Super Bowl, let's just pretty much 
We got uh, another half an hour of play, or however long, another two quarters, and then we'll, then we'll be able to get out of here. Think of it this way: you won't be hungover tomorrow from drinking all the champagne and beer from the victory, and you'll get a good night's sleep. So any you know brutal damage that you took during this game today will. You'll have plenty of time to recuperate from and sleep it off tonight because you're not going to be up late or anything like that. So, all right, let's just uh, get your helmets back on and get back out there, and we'll uh, see you in the lot. We'll see you in the team bus. See you on the team bus as soon as this slaughter is over. All right, cool. We cool? Cool. <laughs> not really sure. That's the most inspiring thing ever, but hey. What are you going to do? This is who they are. <clears throat> now, Nancy Pelosi, talking about inflation, you can see why she wouldn't want to talk about inflation. Why she would, in fact, be desperate to not talk about inflation. Why? Because her actions and her party caused inflation. Profligate spending. Now, Margaret Brennan, or whatever the woman, I think that's her name, who does the CBS weekend show, she doesn't bring up all the spending with Nancy Pelosi here. She could. She could have and should have pointed out all the problems with what the uh, Democrats were, in fact, doing to cause inflation, to exacerbate inflation. She didn't. She did not. And so you end up with her just focusing on one thing, checks. They sent checks, and that was in inflationary. Well, there's a lot more that was inflationary, but Nancy Pelosi don't have no regrets because she don't have no concerns for anybody. She just wants to win. But on things like sending, you know, those $1,400 checks, putting yeah. cash out there, right. I mean, didn't that end up contributing to inflation? Do you have any regrets about the bills you passed and how you structured them. No, absolutely not, because this that was necessary uh, for people to survive. Our purpose it was, it was that it was inflationary. The, the, but, but the point is, is that when you reduce unemployment, it's inflationary. That is a fact. <laughs> when you reduce unemployment, that is inflationary. That is a fact. That's what, So what are you going to do? Everything, well, that's weird because we've had really low unemployment at various times, even in recent years, and it didn't cause inflation. See, it's not just, it's not unemployment, low unemployment that causes inflation. It is artificial inflation of wages that do that, like the fight for 15. Remember that? The lefties go, we need to pay... Burger flippers, $15 an hour. It's the only thing that it's the right thing to do. And it's a tasty way to do it. Suddenly they're Wilford Brimley. It's what we have to do. It's what we must do. Like, huh. If you, well, if you pay somebody who's making seven fifty an hour, you double their, their wages, that's going to put upward pressure on things. Is it not? It's going to cause hamburgers to cost more. But see the difference in why it's not inflation is it would cause prices to increase in that restaurant. It would not impact all the way down the supply chain. It wouldn't. Why? Because it wouldn't. It just doesn't. You, uh, The cost of selling a hamburger going up doesn't increase the cost of raising cattle, you see. 
everything from that point where you've artificially bastardized the wages forward in the supply chain would be inflated, if you will, for would be increased. But since that's the last step in the supply chain of a burger joint, there's really not a whole lot of ripple effect, right? Now, if you have inflation across the economy, across the economy, and it adds to the cost of everything, if you want to tax the hell out of raising cows, for example, because they fart, and that's problematic for the environment, and blah, blah, blah. So you tax that. Well, then that increases the cost of the the uh, beef for the hamburger place. If you want to increase the cost of feed, if you want to tax feed because you don't like the cow farts, or you want to make sure that they only eat certain kinds of feed that doesn't cause as many farts, and that's more expensive, then that causes prices to go up. You tax the hell out of gasoline while limiting the amount of gasoline that can be produced, and oil that can be drilled. Then you have that uh, part of the supply chain costing more. But these are all temporary. These are all temporary. They're increases, and we count them as inflation because they are they're causing things to cost more. But ultimately, they are temporary in that all you've got to do is get rid of that regulation, and that goes away. Get rid of the tax that you've imposed on cow farts, and the added cost associated with it goes away. <clears throat> inflation really comes about, as you think of it, as you know it, when the money supply is out of whack, when the government is printing far too much money, that is something for which Nancy Pelosi is responsible because she's in charge of the house where all spending bills originate. You just start spending money, spending money. You can't just stop spending money and then everything gets better. It's not like rescinding a regulation or a tax that caused something to become artificially more expensive. It is the money in existence being created out of thin air and brought into existence that has caused the inflation. You need to rip that money back out of the economy, which is painful. It's difficult. It's different. You have to do that by raising interest rates, by tightening the money supply. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to talk about that. She wants to conflate the two. One is genuinely inflation, and the other is just really bad policy that makes stuff more expensive. If you make the cost of producing ground beef to be more expensive, it's not good. It does have an impact on a lot of their beef in general. It does have an impact on a lot of things. But if it isn't a direct assault on, say, the production of chicken or pork, you can get those at the same old price that they were before. Inflation is across the board. The bastardizing of the money supply caused an increase in price for everything. Beef, pork, chicken, fish, everything. That's what we're experiencing. That's what government did with that $1,400 check. That's what Nancy Pelosi doesn't want you to think about. She said, remember, when somebody brings up inflation, you have to change the subject. Change it right back, because the truth matters. Okay, now, crime in, well, crime everywhere. Crime, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Crime everywhere, Democrats 
have control. That's what I wanted to say. Got to be very specific these days. It's kind of funny watching Democrats try to say, well, if you look, crime is up in red states. Now, you're pointing to states with Republican governors where the major city is a major city. And it's run by Democrats, has been generationally. And it's uh, it's a disaster, right? That's what you're that's what you're pointing out. It's the Democratic city. The Democratic city's crime is having a ripple effect throughout the state. It's causing, you know, if murders in the city double and that's where most of the murders are, then you could do what? You could say, look at the number of murders in the state have doubled. Would you be telling the truth? Technically, yes, you definitely would be. But is that really the full picture? Not not really, not even close. So you can frame it. What is it I always say about uh, you choose the unit of measure, you always come out on top. You choose the unit of measure, you always come out on top. That's the way the world works. And that's why Democrats come up with these cockamamie things. Well, statewide, if you look, the states are way. We're going to do murder rates rather than number of murders, too. Why? Well, because the number of murders or Democrats have control has skyrocketed exponentially. But they always had a lot of murders. So, you know, from a percentage standpoint, yes, it is, you know, 100% up, like in Portland, Oregon. I think the murders were up like 100%. And you go, well, that's terrible. But then you go, well, but, you know, it went from like uh, 16 to 32. Oh, like, oh, okay. So if you present it, depending on how you present the data, you can present a whole different picture of things and how you want. And Democrats know this. Republicans are just so damn stupid or clueless, whatever the hell it is. I don't know what you want to call it, that they don't seem to understand this or they can't call it out. At least not effectively. The newer crop of people seem to be doing a little bit better. Carrie Lake does a great job of calling out everybody in the media as they try to play gotcha with her. I think that the reporters covering Carrie Lake, they're probably half of them that look at it as like, I'm going to get her. I'm going to be the one that get her. And the other half are looking at her going, oh, God, I hope I can get reassigned because I don't want to have to answer these questions this is horrible i feel like an idiot because every time i ask a question she beats holy hell out of me so it just depends on which camp you're in see if you can be the reporter and time is running out because there is a shelf life but if you can be the reporter that nails someone like carrie lake that you really get them to to uh get her to answer a question stupidly and damage her and get her to lose that election you will have a network gig by the end of the calendar year. Guaranteed. But if you're one of these people who asks her a question and she just pummels you the way she has, the way she played in that audio I played for you the other day about the uh, election denial, election denial, you're probably not, well, there's still a 60%. If you're a liberal and you're willing to make yourself look like a complete jackass, there's always going to be a market for that in the mainstream media. But if you can get a scalp, you come into a job interview with a scalp, you come into a job interview with Brian Kemp, scalp. On the, here's, Brian Kemp, here's Brian Kemp's scalp. I got him. 
I made Governor Stacey Abrams a thing. You can write your own check. It is going to be nonstop. If you could kneecap, oh, good Lord, if you managed to land Ron DeSantis's scalp, it, the, the world would be your oyster. Tell you one thing it's telling right now is what are the races you're hearing about as you watch the nightly newscasts? You're hearing about the uh, New York race now. You shouldn't be hearing about the New York race. But the New York race between Kathy Hochul, who was never elected governor, and uh, Lee Zeldin, former member of Congress, has tightened significantly, like within the margin of error. In New York, a Republican governor? Yes, it's a testament to just how bad the state of the state is. So, yeah, there could be a Republican. It's still a long shot, still got a long way to go, but it could, in fact, become a reality. There are uh, governor's races that used to be on the radar that are no longer on the radar. Like what? Like Georgia. Why aren't you hearing about the Georgia? Stacey Abrams, my God. In the last four years, I'd venture to guess that nobody was a guest on cable news more frequently than Stacey Abrams was. She's definitely top five. And what happened? Well, they built her up, they built her up, and then she didn't live up to the hype. She soiled the bed. She did a horrible job. The latest polls have Governor Brian Kemp up by 10 points in the state. He's at like 53 or 54 percent. It's not even close. Now, I don't know if that's going to end up being that way, but it's embarrassing. And you watch the the main the, the left-wing media try and distance themselves from Stacey Abrams or find some other way. To, well, it's racism. It's racism. It's, of course, the racism. Really? The state's horribly racist if the Republican wins. The state is wildly progressive if the Democrat wins. Democracy is under threat if Republicans win. But democracy is a wonderful thing, and it's it's finally working if a Democrat wins. Are you beginning to see how they frame these things and how it's actually they who are the threat to democracy, they who are the danger? You also don't really hear all that much about what the governor's race that the Democrats had the highest hopes of having an influence on in Florida. Ron DeSantis is going to win easily. Why? Because he's an incredibly competent governor. Period. End of story. That's all there is to it. He's an incredibly competent governor. They had bridges. Well, these bridges, these islands are going to be isolated. It's going to be horrible. These bridges are going to be out for a very long, three days later. Wait, there's a bridge there? How the hell did a bridge get there? And then Sanibel Island. Oh, wait, no bridge. People are going to, oh my God, there's a bridge there? Yeah, now they're temporary bridges, but they're temporary bridges that mean that those people can get their lives starting back on track. Starting back on track. And so what is the left left doing? They're left to complain about, oh, uh, he's changing the rules for elections. Yeah, he's changing the He's making it easier to vote for people who had their polling place destroyed by a hurricane. That monster. How dare he? Not just because they don't, they don't want to have to stand around. They don't want to have to wait. They want to vote by me. No, 
No, he's making it easier for people who want to vote to vote. He's not forcing people to vote. He's not mailing everybody ballots. But they finally found something that Democrats will say, well, that's, you're making it too easy to vote. I thought that was a threat to democracy. So that brings us to New York. New York, New York City. Where's this uh, salsa made? Where's this pecanic made? New York City. Remember that commercial? Um, the mayor of New York is a guy named Eric Adams. He seemed like, well, he certainly was better than most of the alternatives. It would have been better if they'd gone with Curtis Sliwa, the Republican. But out of the Democratic field, when you don't have somebody literally calling police horrible monsters and calling for their demise, I suppose you can look at that as a somewhat of a victory. You know, that's one thing Democrats are exceedingly good at, lowering the bar to the point that, well, at least... We're better than the alternative in our own party. Well, congratulations. You're slightly better than a sharp stick in the eye. Uh, Eric Adams is doing a local interview on TV there. Crime is through the roof in New York City. And what happens? You've got this good-looking young anchor woman saying, I can't take... I took the Metro again for the first time in a while. I think she says she can't wear, she won't wear her earbuds on the subway there in New York City because she's terrified of being a victim of a crime. Now, a good governor or good mayor, a good politician, first of all, would have been on top of this to begin with. It wouldn't come to this point. But you'd at least be able to give some kind of reassuring message, would you not... That, hey, no, I understand your fears, and I can tell you that we are working tirelessly. We're working and we're putting in new steps, new measures, and blah, 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 and we are going to change the culture. He's not been mayor all that long. Well, it's been about a year, but uh, just say, look, we're working on it, and we're going to make it better, and that's going to be my focus, and I want you to know I, I it bothers me that you can't do that, that you don't feel comfortable doing that and i am going to make it a, a priority the priority of my administration to make sure that you and everybody like you can be comfortable with this again that should be the answer instead eric adams kind of goes yeah i don't do it either it's pretty scary out there i wouldn't i wouldn't wear headphones either because you know you gotta hear those guys sneaking up on you ready to beat holy hell out of you and rob you and i'm sitting there and i'm thinking you travel with security. You have a security detail, dude. You're you're not just some random dude riding the subway. You are the mayor of the city. You have police. You should be you should be the one person in all of New York City out of the eight million plus people who live there who feels comfortable. You put your your earbuds in and you just zone out. And you can't and it that you can't and you you don't seem to care about it all that much. Um, is, I think, the problem. Listen to it for yourself. I rode the subway yesterday, and it's the same thing. I haven't put my AirPods in for over a year because I feel like I need to be very much aware. That's quality of life issue. You, you, you were right about, you know, not having your iPods in, not focusing on phone. And I say yes to that. I do the same. And we put out a, a video and information telling people about being aware of what's around them and what's taking place. And I encourage New Yorkers to do that. <laughs> I encourage you. Beware. Keep your head on a swivel. 
or else they're going to get you. Huh. <clears throat> Yay, coach. Thanks for the the cheery speech there. Now, uh, look, I don't want you to get killed, so it's probably best that you move to Jersey. What? Yeah, no, I'm working with the Chamber of Commerce. We're doing a whole ad campaign about if you don't want to get killed, move someplace else because, you know, we're sick of people getting killed here, making our crime statistics worse. So if you're going to, if you want to listen to music, move to New Jersey. Oh, all right, I guess. God, you imagine being in a place where they they look at this as like the best candidate. This is this is the best candidate we've got. My God, it's going to be a wonderful day in New York once we get this guy elected. Good God, no. No, 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 no. Lastly today, I want to play you this video of a construction worker. It's somewhere in the Northeast. I saw this on Twitter the other day, and I had to bleep. There's a couple of bleeps in there, but it is well worth listening to because if you sit there and you listen to Nancy Pelosi talk about inflation and the cost of living, and you hear Joe Biden talking about this, that, and the other and you sit there and you realize that actually through sending out all this money that caused the inflation, through printing and just throwing it out there, and all the scams that were involved in everything, you're seeing the lowest labor participation rate in decades and generations. And you say, well, the, the unemployment rate is low. Yeah, it is because most people that we're talking about without a job quit looking for work. Not because they couldn't find it, but for whatever reason, we don't know. The government was sending out money in covid and causing people not to need to work and all the other scams that went along with it. So much so that this construction guy can't find anybody to do work that would be considered, you know, not that long ago, really good work. I would have killed for one of these jobs. I'm three weeks into a job. Full gut. Three days in a row, not one mother showed up for work. I don't care if I pay them 15, I don't give a f if I give them 25 or 40. People do not want to work. I don't bitch, I don't complain. I got a fully stocked trailer sitting over there with every tool that you can possibly imagine. I buy tools for them. They either have no driver's license, um, 20 minutes too far to drive. I've even heard the excuse, well I've got to go home and plan a baby shower. From a grown-ass man. I've worked all over the United States. I've done every kind of construction, remodeling, commercial, residential there is. And this is the worst I've ever f***ing seen it. Fifteen years of busting my ass. It's fixing to go down the f***ing drain. Sad f***ing country we live in. It really is. It really is. There was a time when I would have absolutely loved to have a job like that. Outside, construction, doing things, put doing something with your hand. It's wild hands. It's wildly rewarding. Those are the kind of jobs that uh, you know that paid well, and you had a, the sense of satisfaction when you were done. You're like, I built that. I made that. It's how I look at roofing. I, I put the roof on that building. Those are the hard jobs to get, and now he can't find anybody. He can't find nobody's willing to show up, no matter what he pays. 
And he's sitting there. If you see the video, it's somewhere in my Twitter feed. You can scroll back and find it. He's sitting there in a house that the frame is up. It was a gut job, he said. So I imagine that they tore everything out. It looks like it's ready to go. Things are starting. You know, you can just start putting up the drywall, start putting in the finishing touches. And there's nobody there. Why? We better find out why. Democrats really are why. Send in free money. That's what happens. Absolve people of responsibility. That's what happens. They act irresponsibly. Anyway, we're out of time for today. I appreciate the use of your ears. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. See you then. Thank you.